This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode of All the Books is sponsored in part by Book Riot Insiders. You can bag your bookish perks with a 14-day free trial of Book Riot Insiders. You can sign up for a monthly or yearly novel subscription, and the first 14 days are free. So that's a nice gift to give to yourself this holiday season. You can wishlist upcoming releases that you're dying to read. There are exclusive podcasts and newsletters for subscribers. There's also swag mailings and drawings, and the new release index, which is where you can wishlist those upcoming releases is curated by all the books host Liberty Hardy, and she will help you keep track of the most exciting upcoming books. So come on in. Your bag of bookish perks is waiting. Go to bookriot.com slash insiders to find out more. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 187, and today we are talking about December new releases and more. I'm Jen Northington, here with Maria Christina Garcia Lynch, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Liberty was sadly unable to join us today. Her beloved pet Steinbeck passed away this morning. And we're all real bummed and sad for her. And so the show goes out to her. Um, But she will be back soon. And in the meantime, Maria Christina has kindly agreed to come on and fill us in on Winter and Christmas Kids Reads. Thank you so much, Maria Christina. Sure. And I'm going to tell you about some of my favorites coming out in December. So, uh, yes. So we are just going to barrel right along here. (laughs) And um, Maria Christina, what is your first pick for Christmas and Winter Kids Reads? Well, this was an easy thing for me to pinch hit on because I've got a three and a half year old who we're doing uh, a bookish advent calendar for right now. Mm. So... So we'll pull out a new book every night, and and it's a new Christmas or winter themed book, um, and it's it's a lot of fun because she's three and a half, and I've been working on this this collection of books since she was born, and this is the first year she's really grasping any of it. Oh, that's um, so cool! Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Except like, yeah, she she will want to read a Christmas book, and then she'll be like, okay, now now read it five more times because it's brand new to me. And I'm like, but but this is supposed to be a bedtime book, and you need to go to sleep now. <laughs> but um, when when I think about children's Christmas books, like the first thing that comes to mind because it's so iconic is The Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats, and that's from 1962. And just earlier this year, the Ezra Jack Keats Foundation put up this really cool animated read aloud of the snowy day on YouTube. And we'll drop a link to that in the show notes so you can see that. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure everyone can just picture those those iconic collage illustrations of the snowy day. And, and, you know, it's about this little boy who is discovering his city after a big snowfall. And it's, it's wonderful. And 
for that time and place, I think it's extraordinary that there was a children's book with a black protagonist that won the Caldecott. But many people are uncomfortable with a white author telling a black kid's story. And that's understandable. You may not want to pass this on to a kid who may be too young for a nuanced conversation about historical representation in literature. So mm-hmm. if, if you want a, a book about a kid frolicking in the snow, Without those issues, then uh, I would recommend um, I would recommend "Here Comes Jack Frost" by Kazuno Kohara, and that's from 2011. And we love her Halloween-themed book, "Ghosts in the House," and this is a lot like that one. You've got these really great linocut illustrations. This. You've got these white figures against a bright blue background, and it's just this adorable story of a boy and his dog who are utterly bored by winter until this elfin spirit, Jack Frost, shows up and shows them all of the fun things that they can do in this season. So um, that's a really nice, nice little book for that kind of age, like, Three, I would say, is a really three, four is a really great age for that book. And it is Here Comes Jack Frost by Kazuno Kohara. Awesome. I am taking notes. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm doing the show notes, but also <laughs> I have my niece is just a little over three. And so this is definitely yeah. relevant to my interests as well. <laughs> um, all right. So I looked at all of December. December is sort of a light publication month generally speaking not a ton of new books oh my gosh my cat is eating my headphone cord sorry um (laughs) there's not a ton of new books that come out in December so I just looked at the whole month but most of them actually do happen to come out this week that I ended up picking and the first of those is Revolution Sunday by Wendy Guerra it is translated by Achi Obejas and this is a one of those like young 20 something or I can't I don't actually know her exact age but the implication is that she's in her 20s or early 30s at the oldest and she's sort of not her life is sort of fallen apart um her parents have died she was is a promising writer but she can't she lives in cuba um and she can't get published in her own country because of the censorship laws and she is really struggling to find her way um she goes to spain to get this uh prestigious literary award and you know it runs into other Cuban expats who kind of view her with the suspicion because she still lives in Cuba. So, of course, she must be an informant or something. And so she doesn't fit in with other Cubans who are abroad. But then at home, she's under surveillance by the regime because she does travel internationally and because she's a writer and an artist. So they assume that she is up to no good and have her under surveillance. So she sort of doesn't fit in anywhere. Um, and then one day this Hollywood filmmaker shows up at her door because he wants to make a film about the man he says is her father who is not the father that she has known and loved and about her parents are dead so you know she can't just ask them so there ensues this whole research project and she starts to find out things about her family that she had no idea about and the whole book is very sort of 
darkly funny um, and a little bit depressing. I'm not going to lie. Like it's, it's, it's rough in certain segments, um, you know, and it's about, it's about art and it's about sex and it's about writing and it's about government surveillance and censorship and it's about identity and, you know, complicated relationships to your home country. And those are all sort of very relevant, at least to, I think, a lot of us these days. Um, there's a lot of political situations around the world that can make us feel estranged from our quote-unquote homes and not feel like we fit in in any particular place. And then if you are an artist, I think a lot of her concerns about how to create and you know, sometimes inability to write or, you know, having depression around your art and who's even reading it and you can't get read in your home country. Like these are all really sort of archetypal almost feelings. I mean, or I think they're very widely applicable at the very least. Um, and it is very, the, the main, the narrator is a poet. Um, and she, there are some of her poems, like her, the fictional characters poems interspersed into the book. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's really like not a ton happens. It's one of those very atmospheric, you know, quote unquote literary novels, um, (laughs) where the action is sort of limited. It's very internal, but it's, there's a lot going on internally and I I was very gripped by this book Um, and I was happy to have found another author in translation uh, who I can read and this I think is her first translation into English which seems crazy to me yeah this author um, you know has been writing for a long time and like I looked up her bio in prep for the show because I was wondering how like is this is this basically you know her debut novel autofiction because in fact the character also talks about autofiction which is like you know fiction about autobiographical fiction and it's not at all it's not at all Uh it's nothing like her actual life so that made it even more interesting to me that she's so in habits this space that I felt like I was hearing you know like a quote-unquote real person's story Um, but clearly these themes are very important to her and I think she really did a great job of getting those across and I really loved the translation didn't feel like a translation you know how sometimes translations feel like a a little stilted or yes exactly stilted is exactly the right word like this one flowed it felt really natural it felt almost conversational at points like I really loved it so again that is Revolution Sunday by Wendy Guerra, uh, and it is translated by Achi Obejas. All right, and I get to tell you about our first sponsor, for which I have no transition. No. <laughs> and um, this is Riddance, or the Sybil Joins Vocational School for Ghost Speakers and Hearing Mouth Children by Shelley Jackson. And this book is Shelley's first novel in about 12 years. Uh, her last was the cult classic Half-Life. The, and the idea for Riddance grew out of Shelley Jackson's childhood fear of public speaking. So what is this book about? What happens at a mysterious boarding school called the Sybil Joins Vocational School for Ghost Speakers and Hearing Mouth Children? Well, children use their speech impediments to commune with the dead, of course. Shelley Jackson's thrilling and innovative novel, Riddance, follows 11-year-old Jane Grandison as she navigates her new life at the institution and her newfound ability to visit the world of the dead with the help of the brilliant but possibly murderous headmistress Sybil Joins. 
Riddance is a richly detailed, illustrated, and researched novel in the vein of Lincoln in the Bardo. And yeah, that's all Riddance by Shelley Jackson. Thank you for sponsoring. I remember when she was doing her story tattoo project. I actually know yeah. a couple of the people who have that. Like everybody no in the tattoo chain got one word of the story yeah. tattooed on them. And I actually know a couple of people who have those tattoos. That's amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. All right. Well, I'm not any good at segues either. So we're <laughs> you're in good company. Um, what's well, your next pick? Well, that book, that book was, that, that sponsor was Riddance and I guess good riddance is the same thing as goodbye. And my next book, <laughs> that was torturous. That was torturous. <laughs> is uh, Goodbye Autumn, Hello Winter by Kennard Pack. And um, this is a, a really recent book. It's a 2017 book. And it's about this, this brother and sister who go down a hill and into town. And as they, they travel on this walk, they greet all of the signs of a waning autumn. And that night, snow arrives while they sleep. And in the morning, they, they say hello to, to this new snow. And they bid farewell to fall and welcome winter. And this book, the, the illustrations are just so good. Like, I want to take a long walk in this book. It's it's just gorgeous. And I also really appreciate the diversity you see when the kids go into town. Um, that's a big plus and, and, you know, reflects the city that I walk around in. And mostly I treasure it. Like this is, this is, this is me reviewing this. This is not my kid reviewing this. Like I actually haven't shown this to her yet. So I don't know what she thinks about it, but, but I treasure it as someone who doesn't particularly care for change. And, um, and, and this book really finds the gentle beauty of this transition to a new season in a way that, that makes it so painless and gorgeous and, a privilege to experience. I love it. Uh, that's Goodbye Autumn, Hello Winter by Kennard Pack. Um, and he does have a Goodbye Summer, Hello Autumn, and the other seasons are forthcoming. Ooh. Yeah. I, I knew I might need that. Yeah, um, yeah. That would be a really nice boxed set, boxed set maybe to get once they're all, all completed. Note to self. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of gorgeously illustrated books oh, that we love to be inside of, for this there we one. go. Oh my gosh, I've been looking so forward to this one. Yeah, my next pick is Hex Vet, which is in training by Sam Davies. This is a graphic novel, an all ages graphic novel, and it is so cute, y'all. Oh. Like it is the cutest thing, and like my eleven, my inner eleven year old is just delighted. <laughs> It is about two young girls who are apprentice veterinarians and they are, but they're like apprentice vets in a world where there are magical creatures. So they're like taking care of like dragons and beasties. And I just would have died yeah. as an 11 year old yeah. to have a book like this. Like, it's like this if was Hagrid ran my little pet shop or like yes, whatever, or like, like exactly. the littlest pet shop. <laughs> that's exactly right it's so perfect like i wanted nothing more than to be a unicorn vet when i was 11 <laughs> so this book is basically written for my 11 year 
old self or probably a lot of yours um so you know like what happens when a witch's cat like needs to go to the vet or like a phoenix has a case of bird flu like you go to the magic vet (laughs) um and the two main characters nan and clarion are veterinarian witches in training and one day um a like rabbit with weird symptoms comes in to the clinic and other uh, animals start to go crazy and everything sort of it goes all wacky and they have to figure out like what's wrong with this rabbit why are all the other animals acting strangely there's big hijinks and the illustrations are so sweet i love i have actually not i'm not familiar with davies um but there's a stutter hug I think might be familiar to some of you, um, which is her previous work. And But this is about like, it's about unlikely friendships. It's about empathy and compassion. It's about magical animals. <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. It's so sweet and so much fun. I just enjoyed it. It's, it's like <laughs> such a welcome balm for my brain yeah. in this very complicated end of year time. <laughs> it's just, and the colors are so sweet. They're yes. a little bit pastel. Yes, I love the palette. Yes, it's like a little bit like there's like teal and purple and pink and it's just so it just, it feels like a hug. This book feels like a hug. Yeah. So if you need something for yourself or like if you have nieces and nephews who would like to be a magical vet um, or really anyone in your life who would find that exciting, this is a really good one. And there's a little bit of like, you know, Clarion comes from a family where like they're a little bit, they have a certain reputation. So there's a little bit about identity in here too like who are you going to be and like what happens when people think you're a certain way and you're not um so there's some really nice complex touches in here that i think you know adults will latch on to as well as kids so again that is hex vet witches in training by sam davies have you seen her work before no this was the first time that i yeah. had i had come across and i'm just like this is awesome it's so good. yeah yeah <laughs> yep i would I, like to live in that book yeah. please and thank you yeah <laughs> it's a great one. <laughs> um, okay, so next I've got I've got two books because they're like five pages each. No, <laughs> um, but they're these two little board books about about Santa. They're my the, my favorite books that we've got that are about Santa. And my kid is just oh, she's a big fan. Um, every time the buzzer of our building rings for a delivery of some sort, she's just like, Santa. I'm like, no, no, no. Um, but these books are little Santa by John Ag and Santa duck by David Milgram. And these are 2013 and, uh, 2008 respect respectively and the thing that is so great about these is is that they're adorable for kids they're so cute and amusing and entertaining but i think grown-ups will find a lot to laugh at about in these two uh in little santa it's it's this story of it's an origin story basically for Santa Claus. Um, in the North Pole, in a little cabin, lived Mr. and Mrs. Claus and their seven children, Larry, Mary, Willie, Millie, Joey, Zoe, and Santa. 
And (laughs) the whole Claus family just hates it up in the North Pole. There's just so much wood to be chopped and snow to be shoveled, and they just hate it so much. Except for Santa. He just loves the North Pole. Everything about it just tickles him. And he also just really likes sliding down the chimney for, for funsies. And one day, his family decides that they're going to move to Florida because it's just way too cold and bitter in the North Pole. And they're packing to move. Santa's real pumped out. But then they get snowed in by a huge blizzard. So they're stuck and they don't know what to do. And Santa has the bright idea to shimmy up the chimney to go find help. So he does. He comes across a reindeer who gives him a ride, and they stop at a little house that's full of elves. And the elves just decide, hey, you know what, kid? We're going we're gonna to sign up with you, and we'll make a bunch of snow shovels so we can bring them over to your house and shovel your family out. And we'll make a sleigh for you. And then they all pile in and they go find Santa's house. And he slides down the chimney and says, ho, 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 I'm home. And <laughs> and he opens the door and there's the elves having shoveled a path to the door. And, and he welcomes them in and they have a really great year in the North Pole with all of the elves around to help and play and and Santa's just having a great time. His family still decides when winter comes to to move to Florida, but Santa stays behind and you know the rest of the story. So this is a Santa origin story. Yes, it's a Santa origin story. And he's just he's just this little tiny red dude in like a union suit like just this this red onesie going around and he's he's adorable and it's really fun to do to do the voices for the elves and the reindeer and little santa and then there's there's santa duck who um nicholas duck wakes up one day and finds on his doorstep a package with a warm santa hat and a warm santa coat and he just thinks wow this is a really great outfit and he puts it on and starts walking around and as he runs into his animal friends they start assuming that oh hey it's santa duck i better tell him what i want for christmas um and these requests are hilarious like he meets a cat who says I want a mouse and a canary and a trout and maybe a couple of nice plump hamsters. <laughs> and, of course, you think the worst. Um, in the end, though, uh, they they get all of their wishes and and Santa thanks Santa Duck for, for helping him out. And, and you see all of these animals frolicking around with the things that they wished for. And there's the cat who is taking the, the, this mouse out for a walk on a leash. So, <laughs> so there are like nice little nods there. Like the, the chicken who can't fly asks for things like, uh, I would like a helicopter and a hot air <laughs> balloon and a hang glider. Um, so, so that's a really fun book. And again, with all these different, with this huge cast of characters, you can have a lot of fun with the voices. That's Santa Duck by David Milgram. So much fun. 
All right. Let's see. Our next sponsor, I have no segue, is <laughs> basically the unofficial bra sponsor of the Book Riot staff, yes. as well yes. as one this of the official true. staff. They support uh, us in more ways than one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it is the official sponsor of today's episode. It is Third Love Lingerie, and they use millions of real women's measurements to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit and incredible fit feel. They have cups from A through H and bands up to 48, so they offer double the number of sizes that most other brands offer. And their bras feature tagless labels, which is a personal favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, And straps that don't slip. Their foam cups are memory foam, which is amazing. And the fabrics are very smooth, so they don't show up under your t-shirts. They also have a new cotton collection uh, based on customer requests. So that is very exciting. I have several of these and will probably order myself some more in the near future because (laughs) other ones are getting worn out. Um, And yeah, they are great bras. I definitely recommend them. Uh, It is really nice that they have some new styles and options because I certainly could use those. So Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. And right now they're offering listeners 15% 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash books to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash books for 15% off today. Okay, let's see. Oh, my next pick is also on the lighthearted side of things. It is a romance novel. It's my favorite half-night stand by Christina Lauren. This is the second Christina Lauren book I have read, and I am becoming a fan. I don't read a ton of contemporary romance. I'm much more likely to read paranormal or historical. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you why. Those are just my preferred <laughs> genres. You don't have to I, explain yourself. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But I do, I'm really enjoying this. So this one I love in particular because it kind of flips a classic script. Um, This is about a woman named Millie Morris who is a professor at UC Santa Barbara and is a female serial killer expert. Like she's an expert on female serial killers. Thank Um, you for that clarification. Yes, no problem. Yes, she herself (laughs) is not a female serial killer. (laughs) Uh, That we know of. Um, And she... She is, like, part of this friend group, and it's her and, like, four other guys um, who are also all fellow professors at this university. And she is, like, very sort of happy being one of the guys. She loves her friends. You know, she's very – she's generally happy with her life, although she has, like, a really hard time finding a date. It's been a while since she went out with anybody. And part of that is, you know, to hear her tell it is, like, like, what kind of small talk do you have when your field of expertise is female serial killers like perhaps not the easiest topic to turn into first date material especially with men when you are a woman so you know NBD Um, but everything's fine until the newest comes around campus that the big university function this year is going to feature Barack Obama slice of real life and it's going to be like a black tie gala and they're all like oh gosh yeah right so like oh we should have dates for this like it's going to be a whole big thing And we should use this as an excuse to, like, get ourselves back out there because none of them are currently dating anyone. 
So they like get a little drunk together and make this pact that they are going to all try to find dates for this gala. Um, except later that evening, Millie sleeps with one of the guys. Reed. Ah. Yes. So now they like they're still like and she's like, no, it's just like it's just like friends with benefits. Like nothing. It doesn't really mean anything. And you get both of their perspectives as this sort of changes their friendship and they're trying to keep it a secret from the other guys in the group because that would be weird and they've both made online dating profiles and this is when it gets a little Cyrano de Bergerac <laughs> Millie creates ends up creating two dating profiles one of which gets matched with Reed who she slept with and who she is like denying that she has any interest in other than as a friend with occasional benefits except now their online personas are like talking to each other all the time <laughs> And what's so interesting about the way they wrote this is that Millie is the one who doesn't have any emotional fluency. Like, a lot of romances, regardless of genre, are about, like, dudes who need to learn how to express their feelings, yeah. right? Like, that's, like, 100%. Well, I, let's call it 90% of romances. as <laughs> like, dudes who need to learn how to talk. Um and in this situation, Millie is the one for various reasons, mostly to do with how she was raised and like a certain family situation. She doesn't really, she's not good at talking about her feelings. She just never does. And so like this is actually ends up being one of the main obstacles is that Millie is just totally like of terrified of being emotionally vulnerable and doesn't know how to do it. Um, and so that was a really, I thought, clever and interesting flip on the classic, like, oh, here's a woman. She is, like, fluent in feelings, and this guy has to learn how to, like, match her. No, no. It is the total reverse. Like, Reed is such a great hero. He is very thoughtful. He's very considerate. He's smart. He's good-looking. Like, he's the whole package. And also, like, he wants... To be genuine and honest with the person that he's romantically involved in about all kinds of things, including, like, feelings. <laughs> and nice. Millie is just really doesn't know how to do that. So <laughs> it is, yeah, it's like, it's it's really great. It, and it has a lot of those Shakespearean tropes, like mistaken identities and, <laughs> you know, like, all of this stuff. There's lots of hijinks. Um, I will say also, if you are, like, I know some people don't mind or are, like, are interested in romances that have much more explicit sex scenes, but I know there are also readers out there who prefer a little bit less explicitness. And these are pretty non-explicit. Like there are sex scenes on the page, but they're not very detailed, I guess. Okay. In terms so something of like, a little racier than a fade to black. Yes, exactly. It's not a fade to black, but it's not full on like Sarah McLean, for example. Okay. So, so yeah, I super enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was really well paced. Um, and so, again, that is My Favorite Half Night Stand by Christina Lauren. That one is also out December 4th. I forgot to say earlier, Hexvet doesn't come out until the 18th. So you're going to have to wait just a teensy bit for that one. All right. Um, okay. So my last, uh, definitely for a, a younger crowd pick, <laughs> <laughs> is A Loud Winter's Nap by Katie Hudson. And... And this book is, um, I believe this is a 2017 book. And she also wrote and illustrated Too Many Carrots about a bunny. Uh, but this is a winter book about Tortoise, who is trying to hibernate, as tortoises do. 
And he just can't get it done because everywhere he goes to try to catch some Zs, there's just way too much stuff happening around him that keeps waking him up. Like Bird is giving singing lessons next door or um, Squirrel and Rabbit are having a snowball fight and the beavers are cutting down this tree that he ended up trying to seek shelter in so that they can use the lumber to build sleds and he's just being thwarted at every turn and it's making him grumpier and grumpier and already he's not a big fan of the season and can't imagine why anyone would want to stay awake for winter but eventually he ends up finding this nice flat piece of wood to rest on that's on top of a hill far away from everybody else and he thinks this is it this is my spot until he starts sledding down the hill accidentally and discovers that sledding is is pretty fun and he sleds all the way down the hill thinking maybe winter isn't so bad after all and right onto an icy pond where he spins and twirls and just has a ball and he ends up spending the rest of that night playing with his friends and he doesn't hate winter all that much after all and in the end all of his friends are having this this slumber party and he is inside with them drinking a hot beverage and watching the snow fall from the window. It's just, it's adorable and so cute and funny. Aww. And the thing that I really love about this is, um, this is this is pr- a longer book, probably for older kids. I don't think my kid could sit through more than a few pages of it. Um, but the the lettering, the text is, is really a, a part of, of the illustrations they they move with the action and there's also a lot of onomatopoeic fun to be had with all of these activities that disturb tortoises hibernation um also watch the sky as you turn the pages on this book because these these watercolor washes go from a a crisp cool winter blue day to this really nice sunset kind of reflecting onto the white snow and then nighttime with these stars it's it's really really pretty and that is a loud winter's nap by katie hudson amazing um okay my last pick is once upon a river by diane setterfield also out uh, on december 4th and this book, I have been, it's very buzzy, at least yeah. in my circles. Like, yeah. I've been seeing stuff for, about this everywhere. And I did read her previous book, The 13th Tale, what feels like forever ago yeah. when it came out. It was probably like, I don't know, what was that, like 2008, something like that? It's been it a minute. It feels like a long time. Yeah. And so I was kind of prepared for her style. Um, but there's some interesting things going on in this book. I'm not done yet. I am really enjoying it, but let's talk about it. So first of all, this book comes with trigger warnings for domestic violence, suicide, and harm to children. Um, there's kind of actually a lot of stuff happening here. 
<clears throat> it's a deceptively simple premise. Um, the, it takes place in like this indeterminate 1800s-ish time period um, along the Thames in England. And there are these sort of inns upriver. And it's told in this very sort of fairy tale language. So like once upon a time, there was an inn along the Thames. Um, and in this particular inn, they have a tradition of storytelling. And so, you know, stories are being told. It's a like midwinter's night. It's I think it's the winter solstice. And a stranger who is, like, injured and bleeding and, uh, you know, in dire straits comes in carrying, like, a little girl who appears to be dead. Um, And, you know, they're, like, taking care of the stranger when suddenly the girl is, like, alive again. Um, And so, you know, is it magic? Is it a miracle? Is it science? Like, what happened? Was she really dead? What, like what happened there and then also who is this little girl and multiple people sort of come forward to claim her and she is mute and is not talking so and doesn't appear to give any signs one way or the other as to who she actually is so you're getting all of these like swirling sort of perspectives all third person close um, around the people who are interacting with her so there's like the innkeep owner um, and the the midwife who they call to treat the stranger and the little girl and, you know, of uh, uh, two parents whose daughter was kidnapped two years ago. And, you know, this like wastrel guy who shows up and, you know, all of these different people. Um, and that's a little jarring sometimes, not because the prose isn't smooth and the switches aren't handled well, they are, but because this is the 1800s and because of the subject matter, you sometimes like get these perspectives on like, for example, domestic violence, that feel almost like callous or like take it for granted yeah and so that can be like as a modern reader that's very it's very odd and and honestly uh, to read a book that was written now and not in the 1800s it feels (laughs) a little odd as well um so readers are, who are particularly sensitive to that kind of thing might want to skip this one. But it is a book that is very deeply immersed in this sort of 1800s gothic atmosphere, in this sort of fairy tale logic and language. And even though it's dealing with otherwise sort of mostly realistic real world places and people, it has this sort of tinge of otherworldliness to it. Um, and I am so anxious <laughs> for several of the characters i'm like i'm i think about halfway through and i'm just like oh god like what's what's gonna happen to you i need you to be okay (laughs) um particularly i am just in love with the midwife character she's so well drawn she's so interesting she's scientifically minded um and like grew up in a convent and has like very little patience for (laughs) you know like flim flammery and um and this book makes you want to use words like like flim flammery. <laughs> so it, it has a lot going on for it. It is so atmospheric. I think it's a very good winter book. Also, like releasing mm. this in December was definitely the right call. It has that sort of bleak, cold, chilly, just like vibe, you know, seeping out of its pages. Um, and I think if you are a fan of The 13th Tale, I mean, obviously I'm not done yet, so it's hard to say for sure, but like that sort of vibe that The 13th Tale had, like a little bit eerie and tense, this definitely has that same one. So if you're a fan, I think you're going to find what you're looking for in Setterfield's writing. So yeah, stay tuned. I will have more to say about it probably once I finish. Um, but that is Once Upon a River by Diane Setterfield.
All right. And that is that for new books. Um, what are you going to read next, Maria Christina? Okay. Uh, well, I, I don't want to say because right now I'm doing some rereading for our best of oh. 2018 shows that are coming up. Yes. Um, so that I want to keep that a surprise, but I'm doing I'm doing some really pleasurable rereading as I, I narrow down on on what I want to talk about for those shows. Nice. <laughs> what about I, you? I am also doing rereading, but mine is not a secret as of today, <laughs> so I can talk about it. Um, we are going to do a guidebook to relative strangers for this month's Persist Feminist Book Club on Instagram. Um, nice. It's by Camille T. Dungy. I read this book when it came out last year. I love it so much. I am the one who picked it, perhaps, obviously. And I'm also the one who's leading the discussion. So I'm really jazzed about it. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to start rereading now that I'm done with my, well, mostly done with my all the books reading. And I have some get booked reading. You know, it, the yeah, reading never course. ends, really. But I'm definitely excited to start rereading that because, yeah, I just can't wait to escape into those essays again. And that is all for today. Um, thank you again to our sponsors, Book Riot Insiders. Go to bookriot.com slash insiders to find out more. To Riddance or the Sybil Joins Vocational School for Ghost Speakers and Hearing Mouth Children by Shelley Jackson. You can find that wherever books are sold. And to Third Love, which you can go to thirdlove.com slash books to get 15% off of your first order. Uh, you can drop us a line at all the books epicriot.com. You can also talk to us on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL. That's Jen with two N's IRL. And where are you at? Oh, oh, me. Sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm spacey. I'm just floating off. And I am at, I'm on Twitter at, at Meowy Christina. Meowy, like my cats. We Aww. are cat people here. So we are cat people. Yeah. RIP Steinbeck. Uh. Um, you can also, to get back to my script here, you can also leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate the feedback and it helps other folks to find the show. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books and also find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. So until next time, happy, happy reading. reading.